Welcome to the Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. The American Council of Engineering Companies Retirement Trust, the ACEC Retirement Trust is a great benefit for our members and affiliate members. And today we have industry experts with us to provide information about what's changing and what's taking place in the 401k industry and how that will impact your firm as a participant. Today's guests are Jennifer Doss. She is the Defined Contribution Practice Leader at CapTrust, the largest registered investment advisor in the country. And CapTrust is also the advisor to the ACEC Retirement Trust. Joining Jennifer is Chris Anderson. He is president of DJ&A, and he's a trustee to the ACEC Retirement Trust. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We should tell folks the ACEC Retirement Trust was formed in 1973 and it's celebrating its 50th year of service. The Retirement Trust has over $2 billion in assets, delivers exceptional service, best-in-class investment, and high value. Now let's dive right in. Jennifer, every year you do predictions about the defined contributions industry. Can you give us a quick overview of your predictions for 2023? Sure. And, and just... Thank you for having me again. I appreciate being on the podcast. Um, in terms of predictions, yeah, we make predictions for a lot of our business lines. I do the specific one for defined contribution plans, so that would be most relevant to the ACEC uh, group. So, you know, 401k plans uh, particularly. Uh, we had a few this year, but I will hit on just some major ones, I think, for our discussion today. Um, the first is going to be around ESG investing. So that is uh, environmental, social, and governance investing for those that are not familiar with the acronym. Um, given the passage, we had a final ESG rule come out from the Department of Labor at the very tail end of last year. So um, that's going to spark a lot of discussion on ESG this year. And clearly, you've seen it in the news, in the media. Um, it's been a hot topic as well. Um, unfortunately, a political topic, but it's been a topic nonetheless. So I think a lot of plan sponsors that have been waiting on the sidelines, potentially to offer an ESG option to their employees, they may jump in this year or at least want to discuss that in more, more depth. Um, I also think we're going to get start to get better data from companies, um, which will make that a little easier as well. Um, the second that I'll mention is what we would call a new social contract. So by that, I mean the changing role of the employer to provide what we would call a holistic financial wellness experience or benefit to their employees. And employees, they want it targeted to their unique situation. You know, they don't just want this general education anymore. Like, you know, what is this? They want to know how it affects them. They want to be able to talk to a financial professional. They want to be able to get personalized recommendations for them. Um, but they don't want it to just be about investments anymore. This is not just about their retirement plan. It's about Things like debt management, saving for college, you know, budgeting, whatever really is where they are at this point in time. You know, those are all things that can impact your overall finances, and they have nothing to do with how you invest your assets within the retirement plan. So that's just a, a small piece of the pie at this point. Um, a derivation, I think, on the social contract theme is retirement income. Uh, a lot of employers are looking to keep retiree assets in their plan more than ever before. I think there's a realization that these are individuals with the biggest balances, right? On the whole, that's a generalization, but it's because it's probably true. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of benefits you can get by keeping these bigger balances within your retirement plan. Um, employees realize the benefits now, they can get lower costs, um, they can get better access to that financial advice through the plan than outside of it. 
So I think this naturally starts a conversation with plan sponsors around, you know, do you have the right investment options for your retirees? You know, do you offer a retirement income product, something that maybe is guaranteed? Do you have more flexible withdrawal features? You know, do you offer, you know, managed accounts and planning tools and all of these things? Because I think if you're expecting to entice a certain demographic, then you you have to think about whether you have those resources in place um, to meet those different needs. Um, and then the final, and I'll stop talking, I promise, is the final theme I will mention is fiduciary outsourcing. And by this, I just mean the super strong demand that we've seen within the industry for outsourcing any fiduciary functions to professionals versus members of the individual committees. It is harder than ever to be a committee member. There's more regulations to think about. There's litigation, fears, you know, the, and just simply the time that it takes at this point to make all these prudent decisions. So more employers um, than ever before are hiring discretionary investment managers and discretionary administrators to offload some of that time, that decision-making, and that risk of running a retirement plan. Um, really anything folks can do to get some time back in their day at this point and mitigate their risk, they're very excited to pursue. Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I'll just comment on a couple of things. First of all, you know, the ACEC Retirement Trust is here to help ACEC members with all of those challenges, right? So if you are a member of ACEC, you are eligible to join a group of about 350 other firms who have all pooled their resources to provide just tremendous value. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the best in class investments and the fund lineups. Uh, you know, Jennifer talked about ESG investing. That's probably one of the biggest requests that we get from our members is the opportunity to invest in um, green investments or environmental, environmentally responsible and socially responsible investments. And so one thing we have added to our trust lineup, our investment lineup, is a Vanguard uh, social index fund. And uh, we manage those funds. We watch those funds very closely to make sure that they are, in fact, the highest performing funds. Um, in their class and continue to offer those to members of the trust. And, you know, we are seeing an uptick in retirement fee litigation. And that's basically when members of your retirement plan are unhappy with the way you're managing your plan. You are a fiduciary for your plan. And when your retirement plan members are unhappy with that, they tend to litigate those issues. And one benefit that the trust offers that I think might be the, the most important benefit of the trust is that enhanced fiduciary protection for you. Uh, as trustees, we serve as fiduciaries. We check all the boxes. We cross all the T's and dot all the I's and make sure that we are protecting you and your plan assets and uh, other firms and their plan assets um, as we provide that enhanced fiduciary protection. So, um, the, the nice part too, when, when Jennifer talked about some of the uh, flexibility that the plans offer, you get to create your own plan. This isn't just one plan and we try to right size it for everybody. No, this is an individual plan that speaks to your firm's individual needs. So as we talk about, uh, you know, how those retirement balances are distributed to individuals when they reach that retirement age, it's completely customized. Uh, to meet individual plan needs. So those are just a few comments that I would add to, to Jennifer's presentation, which she did very, very well at. Nice job, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and I'll just add, I think, Chris, um, you know, the, the, the trust also offers access to that holistic um, 
you know, advice and financial wellness and stuff. And I, I know that's maybe a, a newer thing, but, um, but certainly offering people all those benefits and, and what they really want and what the market demands, I think is, is super key um, going forward. So that's a, another good thing about what you guys have built. Great points. Let's turn now to the new legislation that came out of Washington at the end of 2022, the Secure 2.0 Act. Jennifer, can you tell us a few of the more interesting things that were included in that legislation? Yeah, sure. And I'm going to assume by now that many listeners have probably heard ad nauseum about Secure 2.0 Act. So I'm just going to assume that most people know what it is at this point and, and proceed as such. Um, but it's a massive bill, if you don't know. It, it's very end of 2022. It has over 90 different individual provisions. Most of them are optional by the employer. And that is a lot for people to digest. And thankfully, I think you know the effective dates are spread out all the way from the very tail end of 2022, um, when it was, it was uh, finalized, to all the way to the beginning of 2033, when that final provision kicks in. So that's a long time for people to have this stuff kind of lingering out there. And I think a big problem that we've heard from employees or employers as we've talked to them is, you know, where do you start? You know, how do you start evaluating some of these products? It's just a lot. Um, and I think so far there's just a lot of confusion over, you know, when and where where to start. Um, so I, I would say that there are really three that so far we think are gaining the most attention. And the first is around student loan matching. And this is a provision that allows student loan repayments to be treated um, as employee deferrals, basically for purposes of, you know, if you're going to match, you're going to do like a, a, just a standard non-elective contribution for your employees. And I think a lot of employers have been waiting to implement something like this for a while. They just were kind of a little bit more unsure about it. And that's going to become effective in 2024. So we're having a lot of conversations about that this year. And student loan debt, I mean, that's a huge issue for some, particularly some employee demographics and particular industries. And I think a lot of employers are interested in using this as an attractive um, or attraction and retention tool. And, and I think that that will be successful. The second that we're getting a lot of questions on or a lot of interest in is from emergency savings. And there are actually a few ways that the SECURE Act helps or tries to help address emergency savings needs, but neither one is mandatory. So, you know, you can do both or neither or one, it, you know, so again, these are lots of decisions. You know, many employers, they want the ability to, you know, utilize that payroll deduction that's just been super successful for retirement plans and really harness that inertia of something that just comes right out of your paycheck, right, and, and the purpose of that. So I think there's a lot to consider here, you know, in the fact that there are two provisions to meet the same type of uh, issue you might be trying to address. So which one is best for you or both? Um, but furthermore, I mean, how do they interact with your participant demographic? You know, is this a big issue for you? Is this a deterrent, you think, from people contributing to your plan, potentially? You know, if not, okay, maybe take a look at, you know, your loans and your hardships and all those other kind of features you have with your plan. But I think this is going to be an employer by employer decision. And Chris, to your point, you know, that's why it's important sometimes to remain an individual plan with those options, because what works for one is not necessarily going to work for everybody or, you know, meet the, you know, philosophy of a particular employer. Um, and then the, the final topic that we're getting a lot of questions on is all these Roth provisions. And there's one that allows for um, potentially employer contributions to be designated as Roth. So uh, after tax versus the pre-tax that, that we all usually see. Um, there's also one that eliminates 
um, required minimum distributions for Roth money within a retirement plan. Um, those were actually previously subject to R&D rules. Um, they're not within a you know, Roth IRA. That's what people think, but they are, as they were, within the retirement plan. So that was eliminated. Um, I think people, particularly younger workers, and I'm generalizing, but they're interested in the ability, I think, to save post-tax as opposed to pre-tax. Um, you know, they think their marginal tax rates are going to be lower now than they would be when they're taking it out in retirement, which may or may not be true. And that's a very personal decision on part of the employee. But I think they want to have the option. Um, and so, you know, if certain plans have successfully kept retirees in their plan, um, and they have participants that might be subject to R&Ds on their Roth money, um, you know, this should help them keep a little bit more money in the plan going forward. So um, lots of lots of Roth discussion uh, within the SECURE Act, but all, all good stuff. Yeah, that was a really good summary of just the changes that SECURE 2.0 is going to bring to the retirement industry. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Retirement plans are the most important non-urgent topics in your business, right? <laughs> nobody nobody uh, loves to dive in and really talk about this. Maybe a few exceptional individuals, but um, it, Jennifer loves it, and <laughs> which is great. But um, for most firm owners, most executives and firms, this is something that they don't want to have to deal with on a regular basis. And I think that's where the trust can come in is we can help firms navigate all of the options that Secure 2.0 represents. One thing that we've we've been doing for a while now, even pre-Secure 2.0, is we have been uh, providing that student loan repayment provision. We've been doing that for about five years now. And that's been a tremendous benefit that certain plans have elected to take up. Um, I've noticed it being utilized, especially in larger firms, and they're using it as a retention tool. They're saying to their young employees, uh, you know, we will help you repay your student debt and they do it in the form of, of defined contributions. So it's, it's a really great program that some of our members are participating in now and have been for the last five years. And, um, you know, it's a great benefit. The war for talent is on. Make no mistake about it. Everybody knows that. In fact, I think in a poll conducted amongst firms, their single biggest concern right now is recruiting and retaining talent. And um, I know me and my firm, we, we certainly are focused on that right now. And adding provisions like this to your retirement plan, getting people to stop and think about their retirement, uh, not something that people often do, and getting them to stop and think about it adds value as you're able to offer some of these tools and benefits to them through defined contributions. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, going back to the individual participant, financial help, you know, having access to that is super helpful when you start thinking about all these different options that you might provide to your employees, right? They might need help kind of sifting through those and then deciding whether that's right for them. So I mentioned Roth, that's an individual decision that, that you know, they could help, you know, decide, make, and, you know, are you going to offer some sort of student loan matching and, and should you take advantage of that? And so, not just offering these things is not necessarily enough, right? You have to offer these things with the tools that will enable them to be able to use them correctly. And that's not just sending out, you know, a piece of paper um, every quarter. That's really having somebody that they can sit down with. And so I, I think that's going to be crucial as well as we start to roll out a lot of these Secure Act uh, provisions. That's a great point. I think it's important to note that with the Retirement Trust, 
business leaders don't have to figure it out on their own what their firm needs what their participants are going to need and then individuals once you're enrolled in it don't need to figure it out all on your own you've got the solutions that are from professionals and that one-on-one -on -one discussion because it is so personal well, certainly that's available, I think, not just to members of the trust, but to really anybody. Everybody's got an advisor, right? And, and the difference with the trust is that we have immense buying power. Um, you know, take your, you know, $30 million retirement plan and compare it to this $2.5 billion retirement plan with ACEC. And who's going to be able to go to the negotiating table on your behalf? Um, and help you achieve a, you know, a lower fee rate, um, lower record keeping fees, uh, a better fund lineup. There are some of our funds that aren't even available to investors with less than a billion dollars. So that's the, that's the kind of benefit that we can offer. It's not just the navigating of things like Secure 2.0. Everybody's got an advisor of some sort. We, we hire the best in class. We offer those services to all of our members through the trust and we do it in a really economical way that ultimately puts more money in your account not in your portfolio manager's account it's <laughs> a great point jennifer more generally speaking are there required provisions that are going to impact the trust and its member firms i think as i mentioned before there's really only a handful probably out of the 90 total and it's kind of spread out between now and 2033. So when you start to look at it on a per year basis, there's not a lot that employers, you know, have to have to do. Again, it's more about the optional stuff and, and how that's all gonna play out. But um, there are some, and I think the biggest one that comes to mind or that's generated the most questions so far is the change to catch up contributions for those that are over 50 years old. Um, as of the beginning of next year, um, 2024, all catch-up contributions are going to have to be made as Roth, so that after-tax versus pre-tax, for employees that make uh, more than $145,000 a year. And there's some additional caveats there that I'm not going to get into, um, but but that's generally the the situation. So you know, if an employer offers catch-up contributions, which almost all of them do, almost like almost 100%, um, the interesting thing is. You don't currently offer Roth, you're going to have to add it by 2024 because you have to have the, if you're going to have catch ups, you have to have the ability for people to do it as a Roth. So that's going to be something that, you know, employers um, need to be mindful of. And the other one that's impactful is an overall increase, I think, in the retired uh, required minimum distribution age. So I already talked about how the RMDs were removed for Roth money within the plan, which was a positive thing. This is just an additional positive thing, but um, this has to do with the just overall raising of the age for when you have to start taking your required minimum distributions from the account. Um, as of the beginning of this year, 2023, the age was raised from 72. It's up to 73 effective immediately. And then this is the one that goes all the way out to 2033. Uh, the age increases again to 75, and then that's, that's the max. So the goal here really is to help those that, you know, don't need the money, right? They don't need to take out all of that. Or they don't need to take out that amount um, to keep, you know, investing longer. They can keep it within the trust and take advantage of some of those things that, you know, Chris talked about, right? Um, people are generally living longer and, you know, we need to account for that as well. So that's, that's where the increase in RMD age. So that is a requirement that plans are going to have to roll out as well. 
Well, thank you for that, Jennifer. As I mentioned earlier, the ACEC Retirement Trust is a membership benefit for both ACEC members and affiliate members. ACEC uses the Retirement Trust. We here at ACEC use the Retirement Trust for our 401k plan. And Chris, if folks want to reach out to you and get involved, learn more, where can they find you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the invitation really is to benchmark your 401k plan against the trust. You know, even if you're not interested in joining, individuals have a fiduciary duty to continually look at their plans and determine whether they truly are the best for their people. And that can be measured on a variety of scales. But um, we just invite people to benchmark your plans against the trust. We will do that for you. The person to contact to do that is Lydia Zabricki. She does a fantastic job. It's very painless. She works with your HR manager, your accounting uh, group to, to really get the information that's needed um, and provide you with a nice, clean report that shows perhaps what you're missing out on um, not being a member of the trust and gives you that information and, and the opportunity to act on it if you'd like. Uh, but uh, yeah, that would be my my encouragement to people who are listening to this podcast, who are members or affiliate affiliate members, is reach out and ask Lydia to benchmark your plan against the trust. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how the trust can help you not only navigate things like Secure 2.0, but again, put more money, more of your money into your pocket or into your account versus into the pockets of your uh, investment portfolio managers. So, Great, and we will include Lydia's information in our show notes. We invite all ACEC members to reach out to Lydia and simply benchmark their plan against the ACEC Retirement Trust. You'll have the data to make the decision that you need. The ACEC Retirement Trust will save you time, save you money, improve outcomes, and provides that fiduciary insulation that we're all looking for. Jennifer, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Interesting discussion. <laughs> thank you. This has been another episode of the Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.